national banks are at the heart of the financial establishment, which is why it was interesting to hear from Thomas Moser from the Swiss National Bank at CoinGeek's London conference. Moser talked about an initiative from the Swiss Stock Exchange called SDX, the Swiss Digital Exchange. It will be the first fully regulated official end-to-end blockchain uh, exchange. So the trading, the settlement and the custody service for digital assets uh, in the future, uh, equities, bonds, will be settled on DLT technologies. I talked to Thomas Moser about how he sees blockchain being integrated into national banking systems. Thank you very much. You're listening to CoinGeek Conversations with Charles Miller. Thomas, thank you very much for doing CoinGeek Conversations. You're very welcome, Charles. So perhaps you could start off by explaining about what the Swiss National Bank is doing in relation to cryptocurrencies. Yes, we have, uh, I think, a very interesting project uh, in Switzerland. We have the Swiss Stock Exchange that intends to build a Swiss digital exchange where you have everything on a blockchain. So the entire uh, process from trading, processing, settlement, and then also uh, custody services all on a blockchain. And the question that comes up is how do you get the cash lag? How do you get money on the blockchain and what type of money? because uh, a Swiss franc token doesn't exist at this stage. So we are doing as a proof of concept uh, exactly that, a Swiss uh, token for this very specific uh, blockchain for the Swiss stock exchange. Right, so you've got an initiative, uh, the SDX, the Swiss Digital Exchange. Can you explain to me a little bit about who's behind that and what it's doing. Yeah, behind it is uh, Swiss uh, infrastructure and exchange, which is six, the basically the, the provider of the financial uh, market infrastructure in Switzerland. And it's a private company, but it's in cooperation with the central bank. For instance, it has the Swiss payment system. It does the Swiss payment system. So it's something like a public-private um, um, cooperation. Uh, and um, so they are doing this uh, this SDX, as you mentioned, the Swiss Digital Exchange. But we are working out together uh, whether we should provide central bank money to this blockchain, or or uh, what their initial plan was, if they should produce their own private uh, token or cryptocurrency uh, for that infrastructure. And what? What sort of problem is this designed to solve? What, what, I- what is the advantage of this system if it works? So the claim at least is that uh, if you have, uh, I mean, at the first stage, just to tokenize assets that are not tokenized yet, so equity, shares, uh, bonds, and that you can do it much more efficiently uh, on a blockchain, uh, on a permission blockchain. Um, so this, this is at least a claim, but I think that's also one of the proof of concepts that's, that we'll have to uh, still show whether it really is more efficient. We have um, experience from uh, projects from other central banks. They uh, looked whether if you put just the payment systems, the payment between the commercial banks, if you put that on a blockchain, whether that will give you efficiency gains. And uh, to my knowledge, the project that the Bank of Canada did, for instance, and the Monetary Authority of Singapore showed 
that it's really not more efficient right. uh, compared with the current system. And I think the reason is because, uh, at least in, in with modern uh, infrastructure, payments between banks, at least, and within a single countries are extremely efficient. What is still quite inefficient is payments that uh, households have to do, especially cross-border. And I think that's where uh, it goes beyond the jurisdiction of a central bank, so it has not really been taken care of. And I think that's where a lot of fintechs and uh, cryptocurrencies are coming in now and show us that this can be done much more efficiently than it has been done in the past. Now, you've been talking today at the CoinGeek London conference, which is a big supporter of Bitcoin SV. Mm -hmm. What is the Swiss National Bank's attitude to Bitcoin SV in particular? So we are at this stage uh, basically blockchain agnostic. I mean, we are looking at the at the technologies, and uh, as you know probably better than I do, I mean there are very different types of blockchains out there. There is uh, also a basically a philosophical dispute out there whether some types of blockchains are really blockchains. I mean, you can you have different forms of centralization and decentralization. So at this stage, we are we are not building our own blockchain. We are working with the blockchains that the private sector uh, provides. So we are agnostic in this respect. And what about the principle between a private blockchain and a public blockchain? Yeah, I mean, are you agnostic on that as well? At this stage, yes. I mean, uh, my at least uh, our view is that uh, I mean there are if you have a public blockchain, of course, it, it has a lot of uh, advantages. But to my knowledge, at least, there is still a scalability issue there. Uh, if you have a permissioned, and which basically also means a more centralized uh, blockchain, then uh, you have less problems uh, to solve scalability issues. Well, I think the. Uh, Te technical people behind Bitcoin SV would say that, uh, that there isn't a scalability problem yes. with Bitcoin SV any yeah. longer. I actually we had a we had a I had a presentation maybe more than a year ago uh, about Bitcoin SV. So uh, so I was told that too. But given that we are not providing the blockchain as a central bank, basically we work with what the infrastructure that is provided by the private sector. Uh, so, so in that in that sense, we are agnostic with it. And um, SDX right now is working with uh, with uh, R3 Corda, which is a product that is uh, used commercially by uh, a lot of a lot of commercial banks. Blockchain is not a new concept in banking or in industry wide mm -hmm. more widely, I suppose. And in fact, some people might say that it was a buzzword a few years ago that has now rather lost its appeal. What, what is your feeling about, about attitudes to blockchain technologies in the institutions where you work? Yeah, so I think, I still think it's fascinating. I got interested in it relatively early for a central banker. <laughs> it was like in 2013, I got interested in Bitcoin. Uh, I wanted to figure out how that works. I thought it was fascinating. Was and that I part of your job or no, just out of your own interest? No, private interest. And yeah, actually, yeah. I also wanted to, to, to buy some Bitcoin just to <laughs> see whether I, how it works. You know, I really yeah. wanted to make a payment. And I asked right. our, um, our um, um, compliance whether it's okay that I buy Bitcoin. And of course, I didn't hear from them for quite a while. They had to figure out what I'm talking about. <laughs> and after a while, they said, well, you can buy Bitcoin, but you have to hold it for at least six months. So that you cannot speculate with it. So, like if I buy gold, I have uh, similar rules. 
or other things. What you mean, even in your private life? Yes, because even you in work for the bank. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. So I didn't buy at the state because I wanted to <laughs> go buy a coffee. I didn't want to invest in it. Oh, I see. Uh, which right. probably was a mistake. <laughs> yes, I think <laughs> in you 2013. Might have. Right. But so I didn't end up. So it was a private interest. Uh, it still fascinates me, and I think I'm a little bit child of the you know 80s, 90s. I I basically grew up with the. Um, popularization of the internet. I mean, it was much older, but that's when it really became widely used. And I think something similar is happening right now. So that internet, widely used internet in the 90s was kind of a first wave of digital decentralization technology. And I think blockchain is now the second wave. And I think then and now and then, uh, there are a lot of um, um, expectations out there that are way overblown. But at the same time, also I think there is really uh, also it's not fully taken into consideration what it can mean over the medium and, and longer term. So I think it will really have an impact, not at, at the short term as some people claim. It will take some time to figure out how everything works together and to get it properly. But in the end, like the internet did, you know, the big boom and miracle didn't come in the 90s. But it's really now that we see how important the internet is. And I wouldn't be surprised if in 20 years from now, blockchain is, does something similar. I think the interesting thing about the comparison with the internet is that when the internet began, um, you had companies like Yahoo or eBay um, who were used by somebody at home in a small kind of way. Yeah, yeah. Whereas in this discussion, in this technology, we're talking about central banks being involved and uh, other big institutions. Do you think that this revolution will happen sort of from the center out to the consumer rather than the other way around, perhaps? I don't know. I don't think so. I don't think central banks are really leading the effort. You know, but I, mean, is there, but I can't see yeah. um, a groundswell of individual users saying we must use blockchain and then big companies having to get on board to kind of keep up with them. No, that's right. But I think at least in terms of providing money, I think there need to be some blockchains out there. And exactly the question comes up, then how do you get money on the blockchain? And if the central banks are not providing it, then there will be private solutions. And that's actually a, another, I think, for me at least, also another interesting parallel is uh, if you look at the, now we go further back, we go into the 19th uh, century. <laughs> right, okay. <laughs> what, the telephone or the... Uh, <laughs> no, at the time when gold was ah, basically right, still the yes. payment, you know, and what happened then is that because it's very cumbersome to carry around gold, and mm. then early on they started to have just ledgers that you would just have an account, mm. you would have your gold somewhere on a bank, and they would have... But basically, but the, the private sector invented at the time uh, was uh, banknotes. Banknotes actually came from the private sector, and yes. you had individual banks issuing banknotes, which was basically in the beginning a receipt that you had a gold there, and you started to transfer that receipt. And um, of course, some of the banks then started to uh, figure out that maybe you don't need to have uh, hold 100% of the gold while the paper is circulating. You can have a little less. And then accidents start to happen because people want to have their gold and it's not there. Yeah, then they get a run on the bank. And then Exactly. So what happened is then regulation came in uh, and in the end, actually, banknotes got nationalized. That's why you have national banks. Right, right. And uh, I wouldn't be surprised now, you know, with stable coins, I see a, a similar uh, development. You have uh, basically, again, private issuers uh, of, uh, you have stable coins because you want to have kind of a, a, a stable relation to prices. Uh, but basically, it's a claim too. If I have a, a stable coin, usually it's, it's, uh, it involves a claim that I can exchange it into dollar, into euro, into pound, or whatever. 
the same bank run problem uh, starts again. They all say we have 100% collateral on a bank account. You know, it takes a while to figure out maybe <laughs> we don't need 100%. <laughs> and the whole cycle could start again. So that's why I think it's uh, interesting and important to look into whether, whether we should not from the beginning have the central bank issuing mm -hmm. that, that cryptocurrency, which doesn't mean the central bank has to provide the blockchain. There can be different blockchains, different infrastructures, private solutions, but we could provide the money and that's what we are doing in Switzerland. We right. are just providing the money for a very specific blockchain. It's interesting because, I mean, despite what I said about the individual user not being involved, it's true that, as you implied, there are many, many different cryptocurrencies out there yeah. competing with each other. But, of course, uh, here at CoinGeek, we're big supporters of Bitcoin SV and, yeah. and Dr. Craig Wright's yeah. vision yeah. as Satoshi yeah. Nakamoto yeah. that really all those other blockchains are a travesty yeah. and that we should really be thinking in terms of a single cryptocurrency, yeah. which yeah. is Bitcoin, yeah. which is as yeah. he invented, yeah. and that everything else is yeah. really a distraction yeah. and going down in the wrong, yeah. wrong route. What, what is your attitude to, to his views on that? So, I mean, that, uh, that's an interesting point too, but the way I see it, basically this comes down in the end to the question whether you need a central bank at all or not because the uh, central bank is a centralized institution. Yes. Uh, if you really have the Bitcoin vision that you have, uh, um, that you have it fully decentralized, public uh, blockchain uh, currency, then in my view, that would uh, put into question whether you need a central bank at all. Uh, and then it comes down to the question, uh, does a central bank, then we come to the long-term question. What, does, what preserves the value of the money that you use better? Is it a central bank with its monetary policy or is it basically code? That you have something encoded that, uh, that uh, just provides you a very stable growth of the, of the money mm. supply? Uh, I mean, that's some economists have put out that few a while ago, you know, even, mm. uh, uh, for instance, uh, Milton Friedman in the 60s, he didn't talk about computers or anything, but he basically says we just need to have, the central bank shouldn't do anything else but to have a stable growth uh, right. of money supply. But it, yeah, I mean, Dr. Wright is very clear that he wants Bitcoin to operate within a governmental and a legal framework. There's no idea of it no. being a, some sort of alternative world of economy. Not exactly. But, yeah. but the point is that he wants it to be integrated with, with uses, different ways of using it. And that's why we've got all these entrepreneurs creating new businesses yeah. which integrate money with functionality. Yeah. So I mean that's where we get into these new things that are that are basically developing. It's difficult to make any uh, forecasts about it. Actually, I talked with Mr. Wright. He came to the Swiss National Bank about a year ago, and we exactly talked about it. And I asked him. I said, uh, as a central bank, if I issue uh, a digital currency, I would probably do it in a centralized way. Why would I need the blockchain? And his answer to me was, among different things, is that transparency you know, you get full transparency in the blockchain. So I think these are all questions that um, that, that will uh, clearly occupy us in the future. And, uh, and uh, I mean, as you say, maybe getting rid of the central bank is, is one model, but the other could be that the central bank just uses that blockchain to, to provide its uh, currency. And I think that's where we are in an area where we, st where we just don't know how it looks in the future. But just uh, again, what I think is interesting now to see, and, and you mentioned it, you get it basically into the regulated uh, world. Um, 
again, that's the parallel with internet. You know, I mean, you remember uh, eBay, Yahoo in the beginning, basically they said, we don't need regulation. You know, they were, the early on, they had different court cases even. And now the internet, all, uh, the more it became commercialized, the more it became regulated. And sometimes I have younger people come to me and say, that, you know, the state comes now and regulates that and kills everything. And I usually say that the funny thing is it's the, it's the companies, it's the customers that ask for regulation. Mm -hmm. They ask for protection. They want to have re legal uh, certainty. And what's difficult is just to figure out how this new technology fits with the old regulation and how we can actually integrate the two things, as you say. Yes, of course, one difference between the internet and the world of Bitcoin is that central banks are only responsible for the money in one jurisdiction. Correct, yeah. Whereas uh, the whole uh, advantage yeah. of Bitcoin is that it is global. Yeah. No, that is true. But uh, again, I think an interesting, so that will be very interesting to see how that plays out. Uh, again, an interesting parallel is in the beginning, as you remember, for instance, Yahoo had that uh, legal fight with France. Uh, it was about uh, stuff that they sold uh, over eBay that was forbidden in France. And basically, the first answer to for Yahoo was, internet is worldwide. You know, we cannot differentiate between France and, uh, and Germany and, and whatever. Right. Uh, but what then happened is that they figured out if they have their commercials targeted to different countries, actually, that pays out. So they found <laughs> a way right. to, to, to uh, identify the location. And now it's even used, uh, uh, you know, for to, to build uh, firewalls to, to deny people in a yes. country access to and the Yahoo same company you know they then afterwards uh, helped China to to build that firewall so so it will be interesting to see but but in the end you know national jurisdictions a lot of times people still want different things in different yes. jurisdictions we just had brexit <laughs> exactly. in the UK yes. so it will be interesting to see you might have this uh, this uh, this global blockchain and global currency but but national differences uh, might creep in again one way or the other just because people demand it. Yes, and that would be a sign that the technology is useful really, wouldn't it? Exactly, exactly. Th th that's exactly when, when the, the demand for regulation comes in because you want to, to protect your rights, you want to invest, and if you want to make investments usually you want to have some legal uh, certainty. And that's, that's why you then need all these uh, cumbersome laws and regulations. <laughs> <laughs> Great. Well, thank you so much, Thomas. And um, I hope your conversations with uh, Dr. Wright will continue and, and bear fruit in the years to come. <laughs> thank you very much, Charles. Thanks, thanks a lot. My thanks to Thomas Moser. Please like or subscribe to CoinGeek Conversations. And please join me, Charles Miller, again next week. Until then, thanks for listening and have a good week.